everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tapestry Podcast. This one's a little bit different for a number of reasons. Uh, today we're talking about this question, uh, who am I if I'm not fill in the blank? Uh, like, who am I if I can't do this anymore? How, who am I if uh, this is no longer true about me? And uh, first thing that's different is we're in a different space, so it sounds different or <laughs> looks different. It's because uh, we're at Haley's house instead of Mwangi's mm-hmm. house. And also we have a guest named Andy. So uh, we'll just go around and introduce ourselves real quick. Cool. I'm Haley. Hey, I'm Wonky. I'm Andy. And I know Andy from uh, Bike World uh, Bicycles, which we've talked about on this podcast sometimes. And uh, I am Mike. And yeah, so I guess let's get into it. Uh, is there anybody in the room who hasn't had some sort of identity crisis? I don't know if I felt one that's like super crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is like the one episode that I have the smallest amount of notes. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. It happens. Well, I know that there are some things that you've had to like come to terms with more fully yeah. in your yeah. life. So if you find ways to talk about that, yeah. that'd be cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one, I don't think is like, like you're saying, Haley, maybe it doesn't have to be gargantuan or deep, but one thing I've been thinking about, I'm a father. Yeah. And so, uh, my wife and I, Talisha, you know, as, as, as my son, who's 10, grows up, we're actually pretty good about trying to not identify ourselves solely as parents, so our mm-hmm. identity, because we're like, he's 10, we're ready for him to get out of the house. <laughs> you know, we're ready to be back before he was born. Eight more years. You know, like, we're counting, trust me. <laughs> you know, but, so it's a small example, but for me, like, one thing I've thought about, before he was born, lots of my friends gave me advice, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a father, it's going to be the greatest thing, and you're never going to stop, I'm like, cool, but I was like, is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, you know, it, you know. Biologically, I'm a father, but do I have to pretend? Does every waking moment have to be about my kid? And is that wrong to really say? And yeah. is there a time when I don't? Yeah. When we could, as a couple could just be like, yeah, it'd be great if we just be like empty nesters, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for me, part of part of that has been like I am a dad and other things, right? I'm not fully just that, and I, it, that's what I'm saying. And it wasn't necessarily like a crisis where I. It shocked me in a way, but over time, it's something that I've been like, no, that's okay. It's okay if I want to go to a, on a trip by myself with my friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family doesn't always have to come with me. Therefore, my identity isn't always wrapped up in um, in them and vice versa, too. Like, you know, with Kamundi, I tell him, like, hey, like, one day you'll grow up and you'll get to do your own stuff you yeah. live in your own house. And <laughs> don't feel obligated necessarily that you have Because we're talking about moving yeah. You are moving, you know, as a family, but sometimes oh, you yeah, move yeah. away from your family. Yeah, right? yeah. I, yeah, I did that too. Some, you know, your identity too, or at least how you feel about yourself. Maybe that's not even external, but sometimes how you feel about where you belong. Yeah. It can be its own thing. That's a tough one. Like, especially with parenthood, uh, you're the only parent in the room, and there's, there's like a lot wrapped up in that, right? Because there can be some, like, guilt and sometimes shame that comes from the outside, on parents like if you don't if you don't identify first as a father and like wrap your whole life around that um happens with fathers i think it might it might happen more with moms yep. moms yeah. out there any listeners who are moms maybe you can tell us about your experience with that because that's what i've seen anyway like if you don't devote a hundred percent of all of your energy to that then all of a sudden you're like bad mom yeah, or you, you're not fulfilling whatever that identity is, or right, people yeah. think it is, right? Yeah. So in the video, I talked about this um, this idea of like 
a moment in your life where all of a sudden everything changes. And the first, I don't know if it was the first one for me, but the one that came to mind and I shared in the video is moving from the town where I grew up, which was a suburb of New York City, to a town in Arkansas, which was like, it was just really different. Everything about it mm -hmm. was different. And, you know, my friends that I grew up with were gone. And I think, especially when you're a teenager, your identity is really wrapped up in your friends, right? And, um, like, even like the radio stations were different. Like, that sounds dumb, <laughs> but like, when you're a teenager, like, the music you listen to is huge. And, um, you know, I had, CDs, yes, that's correct. They're coming CDs. back, I hear. Is that, so CDs are coming back? There's yeah. retribution here, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, all, all that stuff was just so different. And I, yeah, like, I just didn't, I didn't know. People saw me as, like, a normal person, like, that grew up with them. And then I was, like, the new kid. And I was, like, a Yankee. And <laughs> all that. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Not that I wasn't welcomed, friends from Russellville, if you end up listening, but, uh, but it was still really hard. And I, I guess I didn't know at the time, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the, I didn't have ways to cope or not like really good, healthy ones. Lots of loud music with big guitars, I think was, <laughs> was, was a big part of it. Now, Andy, one of the reasons I invited you is because I know about a thing in your life but I'd love for you to describe it rather than me, like try to put words to yeah. what's happened for you. I mean, I too moved a lot. Um, yeah, sure. Really yeah. pivotal times in my life, like yeah. you know, eighth grade to ninth grade, I moved. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I moved. I went to five different schools. I think six different schools Ooh, growing wow. up. So wow, you know, different. Most definitely, and from you know, up uh, like in Conifer to Jefferson City, Missouri, and St. Louis, was like all over the Midwest and whatever. But it was you know. At a time when getting a new friend group and figuring yeah. everything out was certainly um, difficult, challenging. And I think it helped me kind of as an adult, you know, I gained something every time I did that. So mm -hmm. moving to a new place, there was always something about it that was a little bit easier and then something maybe to focus on more. Um, so that was, I've moved multiple times as, you know, from the age of 21 on, um, it's gotten easier mm -hmm. or it's not as difficult um and a big part of that for me has been uh bicycle mm -hmm. i've been super into bikes um i mean really into them since probably like senior year of high school but certainly college is when i started working at a bike shop and just immersed myself in bicycle culture which is uh so i always say for me like the bike is a blessing like every mm -hmm. time i've ever moved the the bike is a gateway. It's, it's, you know, it's how I meet people. It's how I, mm -hmm. you know, cope with things. It's, it's how I usually find a job. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot to me. It's, you know, people say it's like, it's a lifestyle and it's, it's more than a lifestyle almost, um, maybe to a fault, but it's my job. It's, it's my therapy. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's where I go for peace. It's where I go to suffer, which is something that I you know mm -hmm. personally enjoy. Um, you know, I've really like, yeah, I really like <laughs> exercise. Like I like pushing myself on my boundaries and, um, you know, there's all these, if you wanted to go down the rabbit hole, there's all of these niche groups or disciplines within cycling itself. And so I've kind of found my path there and I've been working in, you know, f prominent bike shops now for almost 25 years. 
so it's it's my career as well so mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that is is wrapped up in it for me um so yeah the, i guess my biggest identity crisis or the one that's most recently uh, happened to me that's still ongoing and developing um i started i do a lot of very long distance writing that's kind of how i pigeonhole myself mm-hmm. so can i just pause for a second I'll ride, and most of us listeners, if you, you ride, you're like, oh yeah, I want a five mile bike ride. Or you're like, oh man, I know somebody who does like 25 mile bike rides. Well, wh- what did you ride on Wednesday, Andy? I rode from downtown Denver to the top of Mount Evans and back. Which is how many miles? Oh like 125 miles or so. And those are not easy. And people. <laughs> from, from 5,000 feet of elevation or so to oh, over 14,000 feet of elevation. So how, mu- how, many, how, much, how many Ks? Inverted, you get 12,000 feet. So 12,000 feet of climbing, right? So like, <laughs> another thing about Andy is, I remember when we first started working together, 2014 or so, um, I remember you saying, you weren't, saying, you weren't even talking to me, I don't think. I overheard you say, yeah, like after 22 hours on a bike, you kind of start hallucinating. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? So, sorry to interrupt. Oh, but no, like, it's fine. Uh, just to give context, when he says long distance, it's distances that most people... We have never, never even considered going. I'd be on tired in a car just doing that. exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. So um, wow, maybe more tired in a car. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, sorry. So I'm sorry to interrupt. But continue. No, no. Yeah. So I've gotten really into long distance cycling, and for me, um, I'm not. I, I grew up in a very religious household, but as uh, I've gotten older, I'm not super religious. But um, you know, there's there's definitely a almost spiritual component to long distance for me where. My wife is into meditation mm-hmm. big time and she always likens it to meditating like the state I can get into and mm-hmm. and how I process things and think about things once I've been on the bike for 12 or 14 hours or something like something mm-hmm. along those lines like things get different and things 100%. get weird but mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's something that I'm very drawn to I mm-hmm. like tapping into that and that's it I mean I'm sure there are other ways for me to get there but the bike has been a way that I've been able to get there. So for the last 15 years or so, I've been doing a lot of rides like that. And for me, the big crisis came about a year and a half ago. I started having uh, heart arrhythmias, like a heart rate spike on very long rides Mm -hmm. where my heart rate would go from normal exertion, 140, 145 beats a minute to 200 beats a minute in five seconds. Oh, wow. So like uh, you could feel fluttering in your chest and... um, so I, I dealt with that, and at first it only happened on super long rides, like 200 miles or so, and then it started happening on 150 mile rides. And as as it progressed, I mean, I got to the point where I could get it to happen on 30 mile rides. So I went to the doctor, as you would, because that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they put me on I had like a halter monitor, like a, a heart monitoring device that I wore for a month, mm-hmm. and had like a separate cell phone. So I'd arrive with all these devices, like oh. shoved them into my pockets. And if I felt an episode, I would hit a record button on my on this phone. And then after a month, they I, I took it back to the doctor and they plug it in. They look at everything, and they did a, a series of other tests: blood tests and an echocardiogram, or like a you know a scan of my heart, and my chest cavity, to see if there are other things going on. And uh, heart arrhythmias aren't super uncommon in endurance athletes. It's becoming more and more common all the time. So I have a couple people in my circle that have had heart arrhythmias. And uh, one of them is a physician that I'm pretty close to that I ride with a lot. 
and he explained all the different heart arrhythmias and he kind of diagnosed my heart arrhythmia uh, superficially and said, you know, likely there's going to be, you know, a procedure that they can perform to fix it or hopefully fix it or medication or those sorts of things. And he underwent one of these procedures called an ablation and had good success with it when he was about my age. He's, you know, he's 47 now. I'm 41. Um, so this all happened when I was 39 um, or started to happen. So after a month of wearing this thing, I go to the doctor and he sits me down and he says, yeah, you've got an arrhythmia and he draws a picture of a heart and he says, you know, arrhythmia happens, your heart essentially gets a signal over here and it, it double fires. And so then it double fires in the other chamber and double fires and just keeps going. And so your heart's wow. just fluttering and freaking out. And he diagnosed it with the same diagnosis that my physician friend had. Mm -hmm and said it was a particular type of tachycardia, uh, a fast heartbeat. And uh, they can put me on medicine or they can do this procedure, but it's invasive or they can let it go. And, and you know, I just said, let's do the procedure. Biking is mm -hmm. too important for me to me. Yeah. Got to get on top of this. If there's a fix, let's fix it. Let's, let's go. And he said, okay. Um, you know, and about this is about 30 minutes of him talking about it. And I'd already done so much research. So I felt pretty prepared. And then he said, did you know you have a heart murmur? And I said, no. Uh, I said, uh, um, has anyone told you you have a bicuspid aortic valve? And I said, no. He said, no one's told you that you have an aortic aneurysm. And I oh said, no, that sounds bad. <laughs> that sounds really bad. And uh, he said, yeah, it's, it's bad or it's, you know, it's very serious. So that was a like spiraling moment for me, just hearing those words, like not really knowing what any of that meant, but a cardiologist telling me that it's bad. Um, so I went in there thinking I had this arrhythmia, a fairly common thing that's easily corrected or fairly easily corrected. And he's telling me I have not only that arrhythmia that I've been dealing with for six months at this point now, um, but I have a potentially life-threatening other heart condition. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, he, like most people, when I say I ride a lot, he thinks I ride around the park or I ride a little bit. Yeah. And so when I try to convey to him exactly how much I ride and how important it is to me, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to get people to, to grasp that. And I think certain physicians, as everybody knows, um, are better at relating to people mm. or seeming to relate to people. Bedside yeah. manner, I think we might yeah. call it, yeah. Um, and so whether or not his bedside manner is great, I just think that his his ability to conceive what I'm trying to get through and I'm like how important cycling is to me. Like it's my job, it's my therapy, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's so much to me. It's it's yeah. like the, when I get up in the morning, I look at bike blogs, racing, I'm constantly. Just something you just wake up and look, oh yeah, yeah. let's not do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, right, I can't turn it off. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to turn it yeah. off. Well, turning it off would be like turning off like a big portion of you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's, it's my career, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah. Uh, so I had to add two, long story short, two ablations. The first one was unsuccessful. They were, very uh, invasive, uh, kind of scary, but in the grand scheme of things, not that scary. Uh, the two ablations where they they go in and they use these instruments to shock your heart and they find out where your heart's freaking out and they essentially burn the bad cells, the cells that are freaking out. Mm -hmm. um, 
to overnight stay in the hospital. I mean, that just sounds terrible. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, they kill part of your heart. Yeah, that's all. They just burn part of your heart. <laughs> well, that's all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had two of those. Uh, and the second one was in February this past year. Uh, it seems to have been successful, I've been able to ride. But my riding has certainly changed mm-hmm. since I found this out. I have to take a medicine that uh, suppresses my heart rate. So I can't really get it super high. I can't ride with the guys and go attacking each other you know mm-hmm. one guy goes up the hill or goes in front of you and you want to keep pacing because you're fit enough to and you know you're out there for sport and um i can't ride like that anymore mm-hmm. um luckily currently i can still ride for uh duration but i can't ride with any real intensity or not like i used to mm-hmm. and i probably never will be able to again mm-hmm. um which is honestly okay. At first, I was really hard to 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 get my head around, but um, you know, currently I'm able to ride. But I, I guess the the bigger thing for me, and this is this identity crisis for me, is going to be ongoing because mm-hmm. the bigger issue is they. I had this arrhythmia and I had these procedures to fix it, but I have a completely separate issue inside my heart that if it's not corrected, it most likely. I mean, it would it will kill me. Mm-hmm. And I'm 41, and my doctor thinks I'll have to have a corrective surgery by the time I'm 45. Wow. That's soon. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's, the only thing that they can do for me is take a picture, a CT scan every six months, and say it looks good or it looks bad, and a picture every six months, and say it looks good or it looks bad, and eventually it will get to the size where it looks bad, mm-hmm. and then that'll be a full open chest bypass surgery wow. with major potential complications. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they do it often, but not everybody comes out of it in the same way. So um, until that time, I, I'm, I'm trying to live life as best I can mm-hmm. with, you know, um, with the reckoning that it is going to happen. I am going to have this uh, major surge months off of work, months and months off the bike. Um, yeah. And things could look a lot, a lot different then. Um, so yeah, I guess... It has been an identity crisis that I've had a year to kind of come to terms with, but it's an ongoing because I don't know what the future is going to hold. Yeah. Yeah. As I was preparing, actually, as I was writing this, uh, this episode and, um, you know, I was thinking about, yeah, different friends and yeah, you came to mind because I just remember when you first shared it with me, like my heart just sank for you because I was like, I love bikes. And for a lot of people, like that's what they associate me with. But like, you're like <laughs> several degrees above that in terms of kind of how much of a part of your life it is and um, how much it would affect, yeah, affect all that. And man, yeah, just, yeah, I was heartbroken. Yeah. And uh, continue to, yeah, just, yeah, I'm on your side, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. And thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it is, it was, it's devastating uh, to say the least. That's a good word. Um, devastating, yeah. Yeah, I mean, will I be able to ride a bike? I mean, because it's it's how I identify myself, but it's also how a lot of people um, see me as well. You know, they're used to seeing me do big rides or hear about my stories. And I work in a uh, a very high you know high exposure position at a very big bike shop. I mean, I see thousands of people a month, and I've been there long enough that. A lot of people know me by name. A lot of cool. people always want to know about like my next thing or my big thing. And we swap stories about adventures and big bike rides and crazy things we've gotten caught in. And 
you know, that's, you know, it's, it's my livelihood. It's, yeah, it's, it's my defining characteristic for me. So mm-hmm. to, to have that jeopardized, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's sobering. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So you describe like your bike is like your meditative place too. So I'm guessing like when you have gone through other transitions, like you said, um, that the bike tends to be like the grounding space. What is that like right now when you're writing and like, but it's also, that's going to be the complication in the future. If yeah. I'm allowed to ask that, you do yeah. not have to answer I don't, that I don't, all. I don't know. That's why I said, so this is like an <laughs> ongoing, um, identity crisis. Yeah. Um, because if I, if I do lose the bike, um, you know, that, you know, the ability to ride it, um, ride it, anything like I'm riding it now, mm-hmm. that's going to be something else that I have to come to terms with. And I, I would be lying if I said I'm not pushing that away right yeah. now, you know, yeah. because I can still, so. I can, yeah, I can kind of do what I was doing mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, but similar. Yeah. Um, and I'm using that to cope, right? right that's yeah. part of what I'm doing. So that's why, yeah, it's, I am, I'm very optimistic. I try yeah. to be a very optimistic person. And I have a friend who is a guy that rides bikes quite a bit, who's local, who has had a very similar heart condition that had his, um, you know, had, had his corrected. And he's been able to kind of get back to it. That's Again, not at the same level, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and that gives me a lot of hope and a lot mm-hmm. of promise. Um, yeah, it strikes me as you're, as you're describing your thought process or kind of like the, it's like a puzzle, right? And you're like, okay, well, these are things that like kind of make me happy or like are fulfilling for me. How can I still get to those things? Like, how can I reimagine? Like an identity crisis is an opportunity to reimagine what it, what it means to be who we are, what it means to, for other people to see who we are and how we can maybe have some of the same kinds of healthy things in our lives that attracted us to that thing that we were losing or that has changed just in a different way, right? So it's maybe not totally gone, but, and I know for lots of people and, you know, listeners, if uh, maybe you've got something that's like, nope, this was final. Like I, I don't have legs anymore or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, really big things can change like that, that yeah, there's ain't no coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hope, we're not making light of those kinds of things. We're just talking about our own personal experiences on what's, what's so hard. And I mean, I've got a couple more that I can share, but we haven't heard from. No, I was going to say, I think Andy, what's cool too, you know, when I think previously we talked about identity and so how other people, sometimes that's sometimes based on how other people see you. So I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, Mike likes to hike. And so therefore, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, like we've like, hiked together. Yeah, me and you know, right. Yeah. And so I like how you, it's coming from you first. You're defining it before yeah. other people, right? And then that becomes your brand, like you said. People come to the shop, they know you, so you have a reputation. But it's all centered. Night, if I, I feel it's really centered around you and what you want, your passions. And I, a lot of us don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we kind of will do something, then I'll see how Haley reacts or she likes it. Maybe I keep doing that thing mm. to make myself uh, part of the group. But what I feel from you is kind of like you just do your thing. <laughs> and then that group organically comes to you or those people organically come to you and I think that's 
I think that's interesting because I'm not. I don't think I'm like that. I, I do. Yeah. I'll do something and I'll say, okay, how do I fit into this group? Or you know, how do I change what I'm doing to make sure that I'm either fitting in or, or at least I don't have such a center. Like you know, your bike yeah. riding. I don't think I have that kind of center. Which is not. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but I'm in, I'm impressed and really like drawn to the way you describe it. Let me put it that way. Yeah, he's not lying about people coming no. in and talking to him. I, I, I believe it. So yeah. my, my full-time job listener is um, at a church in Broomfield. I work with middle school and high school students, and I also do this stuff online, which I think we might talk about later. We'll see how our timing goes. But um, I also, during the busy season, um, am uh, blessed by the bikes um, at Wheat Ridge Cyclery. We're just going to say it out loud. Wheat Ridge Cyclery, everybody, it's an yeah. amazing bike shop. It's one of the best in the world. Um, the service department has been called by people who know the best in the world. Not in Denver, not in Colorado, uh, the planet. And so um, Andy and I work at the front of the service department. So we're the smiling faces of the service department welcoming people there. And um, I've been there for just a little bit less time than Andy, but I'm seasonal and part-time. Andy's there all the time, all the time. And so there are people who know me and sometimes they're like, oh, Mike, yeah, I'm waiting for Andy. <laughs> um, and so Andy sometimes has a separate line That's, and I'm not, I'm not kidding and great. none of the other people in our position is called service writing um, none of the other service writers are like like huh I could do what does Andy get old what do they want to because we know because he's because he's, he's Andy Stockman <laughs> that's why that line's not always a good thing oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giving autographs <laughs> not quite not quite well, and um, Andy's also really humble about this kind of stuff, too. He's not going to talk about his other kinds of accomplishments and things that he's notable for. But, um, and I don't, I'm not going to bring him up either. You can look him up. Uh, and, uh, but but your, your advice, like the way that you share with people what, uh, what you're excited about, like what gets you excited about bikes and biking and equipment and stuff like that, people take your opinion seriously. So I'd imagine that... Uh, thinking about not actually using those tires, not actually using that rain jacket, not actually using that pack, not actually using that thing. All of a sudden that like changes what you bring to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. something you've thought of or am I bringing it to you now? <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's definitely something I've thought of and uh, a former colleague that I stay in touch with is really a positive person as name's Adam Schmidt. Yeah. He always is... Yeah. You know, and he, when he sees things or he detects me and he, you know, we try to stay in touch even though he's moved out of state, but he just always reminds me to, you know, just keep sharing that passion. You know, you're, you're very passionate about it. You're drawn to it. Even if you can't fulfill it how you want to, you can still make the experience for other people that mm-hmm. have that same interest. So yeah. I try to think about that when I go to work, when I can't ride when I'm recovering from this procedure that I had or the two procedures or you know thinking about what the future may hold it's people are still if I'm in this position they're still going to come to me for advice and for stoke and Mm -hmm. so I want to yeah I want to be able to deliver that um and so trying to you know Adam's really good about making me think about that um you know that that yeah that I share the stoke. I get people fired up. People, I'm passionate. That's good. And just because I can't do the bike, it's how I did the bikes, doesn't mean I can't be passionate about it because mm-hmm. I am still passionate about every nuance of it. Yeah. And, you know. And it continues to be valuable, not to interrupt. But I think, and that, that same attraction that the people have 
can continue and, and, and also grow because even as you talk about it, I'm like, man, you're, you're, you, I should go ride a bike, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you're motivating me. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably do a mile and be like, I'm done with this. Uh, but I think it, it's, it's really important when, when and, and you are humble. And, and it's, I think you talking about biking, I'm sure has already or can continue to inspire people to start and pick it up and see it not just like a tricycle <laughs> you describing what it is you know and and what what that stuff is i, I kind of draw a parallel to you know i've had a few g- trainers in the gym and i'm not i'm not you know necessarily active or you know a super athlete with you guys but um it's so important the trainer in your in, in first even walking through that door and the intimidation mm-hmm. I've, given, I've talked about this before walking at the door intimidation and so if i come to your bike shop because you guys are, you know, I'd probably be really intimidated. Like, I don't know what these bikes are. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I've never done this before. I wonder who can draw me in mm-hmm. and not make me feel small, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I think you guys are, so that all I'm saying is that um, you do it already and I can, I, I can notice it. And most definitely, most definitely that, that will continue. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I mean, my wife, who, I mean, I mean, talk about a support system, you know, uh, yeah. It, She's incredible. Um, and she always says she's just finishing up her master's degree and, you know, she's tried multiple things and she always says like, you're so fortunate that like you found your thing so <laughs> young. You yeah, know? that's true. And, and, um, <laughs> and yeah, it, uh, it, it, it's never left me. This thing has not left me. It's like, I, I did find it young and it didn't leave me. And, um, and I want to share that with people. So I try not to be intimidating and Mike and I, you know, I love having Mike around like one day a week, half the year. Like, yeah, he's always, he always talks to, meets people at their level, which is so important. And, oh, you know, like just yeah. welcoming and encouraging. And, um, cause that affects that other person's identity too. So then when they come to your shop, right. we use it as an example, they can feel that they can instantly be part of your community. I may not be able to ride as far as you, mm-hmm. but I feel like some connection, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, like I can, or I can integrate into your community pretty yeah. easily without. And if it were the opposite, you know? right? If like you're kind of shunned immediately, it's like, well, yeah. now yeah. I can't be a bike rider. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> yeah. Bummer. There, there are shops like that, yeah. and, and spaces all over our world where you yeah. walk in, it's intimidating, and you feel like the people there are maybe arrogance the right word, yes. or maybe yeah. like um, yeah. uh, snobby about things, yeah. right? And they kind of look down on people yeah. who don't either know as much as they do or don't have the skills that they do happens at guitar shops music yep. things so like us we're in the happens in every every area and I think that's one of the things you're really good at um, I hope we do that well together and I hope Wheatridge does it really well together kind of like this creating this culture of like no you can do this too mm-hmm. and I've been around some musicians um, one of my good friends uh, Dwayne Condon and his uh, his wife Jennifer um, amazing musicians if you've watched movies in the last 10 years it's likely you've heard their voices singing mm, okay cool. like they invited me to, to sing in a thing and I was like you mean play guitar they're like <laughs> no, no no just sing and I was like like play guitar and sing like, <laughs> like no 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 we just want you to sing I'm like but you've heard me sing yeah. like yeah we have and I don't really love my singing voice but there was something they saw in it that they wanted to bring in. And for me, that was they and other people that I've been around since are so good at helping people to feel that they can do what they do. So even though they're like mm-hmm. on this high level, like 
doing things that are like noteworthy in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but you can come and do it. And I think that's a really cool thing. You'll still be able to do that. Like, no, 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 like, you can do this. Like, and here, here you, maybe you should get this. Maybe you should ride over here. Try this ride over here. I've done so many rides that you've suggested, and I've been like, that was a, that was such a good ride. <laughs> so you'll still be able to do all that stuff, which is cool. It's really cool. Um, we're okay. I'm just looking at our time real quick. We're doing great. We're doing great, guys. Doing great on time. Nice. Um, so when it comes to identity crises, kind of crises, thing we've talked <laughs> about a couple of different ones. I talked really shortly about one. Have you two talked about a specific one yet? I haven't, but I... Uh, really you talked about fatherhood. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, that was just was a mention. And that's uh, good, but that's a positive yeah. thing, and yeah. it still changes stuff. It could, it could still change, and even, you know, uh, first, and I can think of first myself, uh, myself, and then I'm a husband, and then I'm a father, and then I'm a friend, and mm-hmm. those different dimensions, mm-hmm. you know, I need to make space for all of those. And so, mm-hmm. so like, recently at work, I'm like, I have a lot of work to do, I'm, I'm I know when I'm approaching burnout, so I'm like, what do I need to do? Okay, mm-hmm. take time for myself. But I think, I think, you know, again, for me, it's just been sort of checking in and just saying, okay, what, who am I? Not who am I? Not exist, existential, but just, am I trying to live up to something? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I have friends who every day is like, take a look, picture my kid, like you know, and then mm-hmm. I was like, I don't do that. Am I, am I a bad father? <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, yeah. I don't post pictures as much. Am I a bad friend, or, or something like that? Um, but what I do know is, like, I love conversations like these. So yeah. you guys that yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not big into like maybe large groups, but the, doing stuff like this is super cool. Meeting new people that are passionate about what they do. I think you know. I see you talking too. Kind of resonate with the way you describe your life too, Haley. Sort of your identity too. Mm-hmm. The way you kind of like. I th- you're one the people I know that it's, you seem very centered I guess that's Thank my point you. this is how Nandy <laughs> was describing right Mike like yeah. mm-hmm. his way he centered you another person I feel like it's, it's centered and it's not centered like you know Haley tell me what you do I work at a bookstore well that's not really you like yeah. am I off on that I feel like I you're mean, a centered person like that's very nice a solid Thank core you. <laughs> you know yeah I think it's like I'm I do feel centered and I think that's like why it's hard for me to like find something here because there's never like there's been a lot of moments where I feel unstable but there's never been a moment I can't say never but that I can think of at the moment where it's like oh I don't know who I'm going to be after this Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good way to put it yeah and I I mean it just comes to like really good support systems growing up to be Mm -hmm. honest like I was never really ashamed for being who I am at any point Um, I think you just mentioned burnout, and you're, you said that you're good at knowing when you're about to burn I'm out. Not, that's because of experience. I have no idea. Well, that's, that's, that's not what I'm 20 or so, and 40 or so. Many times. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I think those are the points where I feel the most unstable, where it's like, okay, things have gotten bad, and they knew they were, but I kept going anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I dropped out of college, like, that was probably the most unstable point for me. Yeah. Um, because I went for jazz drums, and I was like, this is it. It's going to be awesome. And then 10 weeks in, I left. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's a very short amount of time for a very, very quick spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I left, back to burnout, it was like, I don't want to sit behind a drum set right now. Mm-hmm. And I had never really felt like that before. Yeah, where yeah. it was like, no, yeah, this is always where I feel comfortable. This is always where I feel safe. Um, and it pushes my boundaries. You said it's where you go to biking is where you go to suffer and I can relate to that where it's you push yourself 
mm-hmm. um, in that space. And so, um, yeah, so dropping out of college and then sitting behind a drum set, and I was like, I don't want to do this. So the college changed your relationship with that drum set? It did. Kind of like the way these guys talk about admiring the bikes. For yeah. You, it was like, yeah, it was... Something came in between you and the Yeah, kid. it was like, <laughs> I just don't want to do this. Because it was the first time where I didn't, like... I so in high school I didn't have a lot of basic music theory. Um, I just knew how to play the drums, and I had a drum teacher outside of it, and it was that was kind of it. And then I went to school, um, and I actually studied with the drum set professor there, and he prepped me for an audition, and then I auditioned, and just went from there. And this is a pretty prestigious. Yeah, I went to, to Lamont School Lamont. of Music at DU. So sure. this is great very, very real. Very yeah, good. Jazz program too. Jazz like program that. is very intimidating. And so I was kind of thrown into this room with a bunch of people where jazz was everything. Mm-hmm. And that's all they did. And I was thrown into a music theory class that was specifically jazz theory, mm. which for non-musicians, it's like the step above any basics. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the basics when it came to like scales and stuff because mm. I was just told to play the drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going into a room and classes with people where this is the... They breathe this. It was very intimidating. And to be so... I was behind them. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, I'm on par with these people. Oh, wait till we get to this chapter. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I... Yeah. yeah. I, there's no catching up at this yeah. point. No matter how much study or practice I do. And then you kind of cope that with, like, traditional schooling just doesn't work for my brain. Mm-hmm. And it just took me to get to college to, like, know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, when I got home, after I decided to leave, it was like, I don't want to sit mm-hmm. behind a kit for a while. Um, and it was the strangest feeling, because it was like one genre, one experience for a very short amount of time to kind of undo all the work I did <laughs> from sixth grade, yeah. you know? Um, seventh grade, I should say. But <laughs> it was just, it was a lot of time just spent unraveling all of that fundamental passion in a way yeah sure though mike you and i would have sat through the whole program and then did that because right? i think uh, that, i'm just kidding like i think there's a maturity no. like you recognize that you were like this is it you know like I, yeah i would have wasted in a, in a, a really, lot of time yeah right like we would probably been sitting there and like no no let me stick this out yeah at I, least I will catch you know, up at some point i and think then- you're <laughs> underestimating how bad of a spiral this was, <laughs> where there was no option to go back like yeah. it would not have been good yeah. um, <laughs> so funny no but it, yeah it was just that was a moment where it was like this thing that I care about very much is no longer an option for now yeah, um, yeah. and then in that in that in, in that um, in that style or yeah. in that um, the way well not the way Lamont defined it but that that approach that environment to, and that environment is not um, and um, I kind of took to get out of it it was like over a year probably and my friend Edwina uh, Edwina Mabin, go listen to her on Spotify. She's good. Um, she's she's good. great. I love her. Um, she and I were in the youth band together at church that we both grew up in. And she was like, hey, I have this gig and I want a band for it. Because usually she's just singer-songwriter herself and her guitar. And um, she was like, I want a band for it. Are you in? And I remember I had texted her while I was in school before all the spiraling started. Where I was like, hey, if you need a drummer, let me know. And then now here she is, like a year or so later being like hey do you want to do this thing and I was like well I can't say no to that you know so it was kind of like this forced push 
back into the thing you care about because like you're kind of resisting it because you don't want to feel that that pain to it again um even though it's something that you care about so it's kind of like i don't know it's weird rediscovering the thing that you know so well and and at what scale right so even if i get into biking i shouldn't measure the pleasure I get or the distance I get versus you guys, right? I should find definitely not. I guess what, yeah. Yeah. me, yeah, you know, that what I'm saying? comparison but will it kill you. Just like you know, the, exactly, right? And so it's kind of like what what do I draw from this? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. and like how you even said it, you said okay, for now this is not it. It doesn't mean you may not be able to come back, right? But mm-hmm. you're exposed. You dove into the cold water and you're like, nope, you know, yeah. Right now this is not me. This is not where I grow or stuff like that. Um, so hey, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say. In, I mean, it's got to be challenging and somewhat uh, disruptive or devastating a little bit, like to have to step away from like your passion thing because yeah. it became like a task, not a hobby. Yeah, you, for you sure. You were forced, you weren't going to it mm-hmm. because you were drawn to it or you wanted to. Um, yeah, I could see how that would be very Which difficult. is not necessarily a... They weren't like yeah. doing you wrong necessarily, no. you know what I mean? But it was a redefinition of like, yeah. is this what you right? Well, you like know, when is this what you want to do? Like right? when that like healthy food turns out to be poison or like becomes yeah. poison, yeah, right? Like that's like like oh like yeah, I, I gotta stay away from that for a while. And I'm sure that happens for people who like end up like with a food allergy for a thing that they really love, yeah. right? <laughs> but like then they can never go back. But I, I got a question about that show yeah. with Edwina. Was that the Levitt Pavilion show? No, it was okay. one before that. Okay. And it yeah. was, um, we played at the Marquee. We opened for a band called Lady, stylized LVDY. Okay. Um, and it was really fun. Like, that was the first, like, truly live show I've ever played outside of a school context. But yeah, then the next show after that was um, a year later, a yeah. year and a half later almost, was at Levitt Pavilion. So, Levitt opening for Devotchka. Yes. By the way, like, pretty cool. That was yeah. very cool. That's- that was an awesome show. Thank that you. That was such a good show. Yeah. You guys did great. Um, so, I think we've all shared at least a little bit of something. I shared the thing about moving. Here's one that connects directly to what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And that is, can anyone relate to having a bit of a feeling of identity crisis when the pandemic hit? Uh, like, for me, mm-hmm. like... Well, and, th- and this might relate to for you, Haley. Um, yeah. Tell me if this word or this phrase resonates for you. Imposter syndrome. Have you heard of this before? I have. Okay, so when I learned about the imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, that's what it is. There's a word for that? Wait, other people feel this way? <laughs> so, listener, for anybody who doesn't know what this is, it basically is the idea that like a lot of us, maybe even most of us, at some point feel like we're not as good as people think we are at a thing we're doing or we don't quite belong where we've ended up mm-hmm. and it won't be long until somebody figures it out mm-hmm. and then it'll all fall apart. Uh, was that a pretty succinct yeah, that <laughs> description? Yeah, that made it a little darker. I think. Right, was that a little darker <laughs> that than that you ish <laughs> Too dark. Um, and I'm going to be found out. Um, and I think we've all felt that way at some point and maybe that's how you felt in school when you were yeah, like, oh bit. man, like... Like, I'm, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's my spot. Well, I was, um, so, again, I work with middle school and high school kids. For me, my job is very hands-on, very um, together, in, in a place together, um, doing things together. Uh, one of my former students actually just texted me today. I was on a bike ride with our friend Josh, and uh, he said, can you do me a favor? And I was like, I'm, Josh, I might have to leave. 
because like I'm gonna go right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be with this kid if he needs me. And it was just a bike related thing actually. <laughs> I helped him work on a bike. So like yeah, we can do that later. Cool. Um, but when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and everything went into lockdown, we couldn't do those things anymore. Right. right? And so we, I went from you know like creating experiences and spaces of belonging for students from kind of every walk of life you could imagine, um, especially for students who are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, at the time, about a third of our youth group was LGBTQ kids. And all of a sudden, that space was gone. Mm. And I couldn't provide it in the way that I could before. And Zoom meetings, like, not that good. Like, they were right. fine. And there were a lot of good things about them, actually. Like, um, they were actually really good for our more introverted kids. Hmm. Uh, so the kids that, like, didn't speak up, didn't really, like, get super into in-person youth group, actually did great That's online. So great. But our most extroverted kids were, like, totally checked out. They oh, just yeah. didn't show up. Um, and so I went from being someone who felt like I was a very relational, mm-hmm. had a very relational job, to someone who was organizing, like sending out Zoom links and creating content for the internet. Mm-hmm. And at some point I was like, like, is that what, is that who I am now? Am I a content creator? Mm-hmm. Am I a YouTuber? Because like, that's all I was, I was spending most of my time yeah. creating content. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Right. If this is what it stays, if it keeps doing this, I don't know how much longer I can do it. Speaking of burnout, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if this, if this is how it's going to be, like, I might have to look for something else. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, kind of as much as a career can be an identity, identity thing, like, ministry and working especially with adolescents has definitely been a big part of my identity. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, ironically, now, I've added to <laughs> my title from uh, director of student ministries, also now director of this thing called Tapestry, which is essentially creating online content um, <laughs> for, for people. And uh, so I guess in some ways it was like a imaginative uh, reconfiguring of like, okay, actually maybe that is part of what I should be doing now. And maybe we can do it for an audience way different than we've imagined before. Yeah. So um, uh, Tapestry listeners, if if you didn't know it, you're a, yeah, you're it's because of the pandemic <laughs> because we were like well, what do we do <laughs> I don't know I guess we do stuff online and what if we keep on doing stuff online that's maybe different than we were doing before and so that's kind of what this space is um, we want people to have a chance to um, engage with questions that like maybe you don't have another spot to talk about and um, maybe you're maybe you're pretty darn, pretty darn sure that you can't go to a friend from church and talk about like your struggles with doubt and all that stuff. And we want this place to be like that. And um, yeah, I feel like I just ran out of words. <laughs> I think, yeah, the imposter syndrome, it's, it's two ways, you know, it could be the how you feel in the room, but also a part of it is like, do you, even, do you have enough whatever to even show up to mm-hmm. feel, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, not only sometimes it's like, I don't deserve to be here. It's like, well, you know, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not even gonna go because it's not. Yeah, it's not. <clears throat> I don't belong there or something like that. Yeah. And how? I mean, one of the ways we overcome that is like all of us being honest about 
I don't know what I'm doing. Right, right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, because right. it's so you know 100%. we because so, sometimes we will project like, oh, I see Mike preach. He knows what he's doing. He's confident. He you know mm-hmm. he's got everything together, which is not necessarily the case, right? I think mm-hmm. if we can all be not and not put everything on blast. I'm just saying like mm-hmm. a little bit more open and honest about yeah, you know the reason I'm telling you the reason I knew the burnout thing because it happened so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> then I was like, then you start to feel. Oh, yep. it's coming. You can tell it a month ahead mm-hmm. only because it's like touching, you know, the fire. Like, oh, that's hot. That's hot. So now before okay. I even approach it, I know, hey, that's fire kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> um, for me, the pandemic, it was a little bit different where I definitely miss social interactions. But then what, my, what I found was I did a lot of one-on-ones, like virtual happy hours and virtual coffees with people. Like a mm. lot, and that's yeah. that's why I found because I didn't like the all the screen like getting mm-hmm. the, the, let's yeah. all get together, yeah, yeah. and that never worked. But then once I started doing like one on ones, it was so much deeper and so much better. And mm-hmm. and I could do it with so many people around the country, right? yeah, you know, so yeah. easily. So some people you had not talked to in a long time, it was easy, but I just kept it, and that that was super healthy for me because we couldn't we couldn't go out um, in that sense. But I don't. know it's not again not necessarily a crisis but it's something i've i found that that rhythm to be like this is this is good for me i, yeah. I don't necessarily want to do a, a big um, um big get together because it's just, it just it would not work because you're trying to replicate a thing virtually yeah that yeah. just yeah it just it just didn't work um yeah for sure I, I, thanks for saying that i come across with confidence <laughs> <laughs> I think I, yeah, there, there's a certain amount of confidence, but I, I want to differentiate that from certainty, um, especially in places of like uh, like faith and things like that. Uh, I think have we talked about this on the podcast before? Um, so this idea of um, for a lot of faith traditions, whether it's Christian or Muslim or fill in the blank there's a high emphasis put on being certain, being sure. Yeah. Like, like you know you don't have any doubts, you don't have any questions about these things, you are certain. Um, I've got um, at least one friend who listens pretty regularly, shout out to Ryan, um, who comes out of a tradition that was, that was like, that's the thing, like you are certain. And Ryan, I hope I'm not calling you out, I hope this doesn't make you feel anxious. <laughs> but um, uh, we've had these convers- I've had these conversations with him and being able to shift into uh, this feeling of confidence instead of certainty. Like, I feel strongly enough about this. Like, I can move forward in this direction. I have this amount of confidence. That's different than certainty. And I think one of the problems with certainty is that if somebody starts to chip away at it, like with your identity, right? In a crisis, like, if enough of that gets chipped away, all of a sudden the whole thing can start to fall apart, right? If, if you had to be, if you had to know and suddenly you didn't know anymore. Um, so I try to come in, I come in with confidence because, um, yeah, because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But I hold it like with open hands and if I'm wrong, then I'm, I'm willing to admit that and, and learn a new thing. And so I hope, I hope that helps people, right? Like when we talk about things like imposter syndrome or... Um, like a medical diagnosis that could be not just life-changing, but maybe life-threatening. Um, one of the things we hope to do, I think, in this space is, like, you're, you're not alone. There are other people who are experiencing things like you're experiencing, and there are, place, there are people who want to talk about this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm really thankful that I get to do it with you guys. 
Me too. Yeah, it was really good. It's very yeah, nice. thanks for having me. Of yes, course. Absolutely. Andy, it was great. You're, you're awesome. Is there anything that we missed that we should have talked about? Andy, was there a question that I, you hoped I would ask you? No, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's it's still a journey for me. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I've got going on. Um, yeah, I could talk about it forever, but it's just yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a big it's still up in the air. At the <laughs> it's moment, it's yeah. totally yeah. up in the air. Yeah. It's developing. Yeah, yeah. It, when you were talking about. It made me think about something real quick. So, you know, confidence. So in statistics, there's this thing called a confidence interval. So mm-hmm. if we say we're going to drive to Mike's house, then we have an estimate of mm-hmm. what time that will be. But we have a window, right? Mm-hmm. So it literally is called a confidence interval because it gives you confidence around whether this thing. Mm-hmm. So it may be a range from 20 minutes to 30 minutes, right? Not from here. <laughs> you know, something like that. Not from, but, not to, you know, Denver. as you were talking, yeah. I was like, okay, what Mike is describing is, okay, when he's preaching, he has this sort of his confidence interval. Yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a precision like this is the point, but he's kind of like hey, it's probably going to go like this, mm-hmm. and this is you know what can exist. And I too, I think with our even as we grow with our identity, it's never like this one thing has to be completely defined, you know. Because mm-hmm. even Andy, as you're saying, you uh, it was fascinating to hear talk to you, you guys talk about how much you love your bikes. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought these guys like to ride, and then you start <laughs> talking about loving your bikes too, and I'm like. You know, this it's it just so interesting. My my point is like there's a depth there. Mm-hmm. It's not a simple for me it's not just like, okay, right. To me there's a there's a depth there and so even as we talk about when we say, Okay, who is this person? Who are they? It's, it's not as simple to just say yes, this you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the confidence you know people think it's gonna make me think about it there's it's not precision, it's not a stone that you know, a stone house that's built with precision because I mean what is certain, you know, it, it's a little bit more I don't know. It's there, but not quite there. Yeah, it's yeah. more stretchy. It's always stretchy, yeah, viable, <laughs> elastic. Yeah, yeah so. okay, better be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. actually, as it brings up a question, bikes versus biking, right? <laughs> For me, I love biking, and you can't do that without bikes, and yes. I think that's why I love bikes. <laughs> I think there are some people who just love bikes, maybe even more than biking. I think that's with everything, right? Like yeah. the people that love guns people first people have yeah. to hunt or yep. you know, car yeah. collectors yeah, or aficionados or, yeah, yeah. for love. me the bike is it's just a tool yeah mm. just a tool to you know do your thing that's you know, cool practice your craft the, sometimes you need the right tool to do a better job yeah um, but yeah facts yeah cool. but then yeah you get to geek and then you know you get gear head about it all <laughs> oh, yeah yeah. It. yeah of course there's that part of it for me but well, when you've had like a piece of like when you've had a tool that breaks on a job, you know how devastating that can be. Like, so you want to get the better version of that tool. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with bike stuff. But it's like, cool. yeah, yeah, you want to get the one that's not going to let you down. You guys are cool. <laughs> are we? <laughs> bike geeks. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, it's been really good to have you along with us. Um, this is the part where we close it out. So. All right. So. Uh, you can find us at tapestrytalk.org, um, where you can find a link to our Discord, and you can join the Discord and chat with us. Um, let's see what else. That's kind of all we've got at the moment. Yeah, I'll link the video. Dis- the video. Oh link yes, the in video the description episode. Yep. For this episode, so if you want to check out that video, I think it came out pretty good. It's interesting. It's got some I like it. sound effects and stuff. So yes. Uh, Shout out Taylor for making yeah, that well, music. Yeah, well done, Taylor, on the music. Well done, Steve, on all the editing and everything, and creating those visual effects as well. Uh, well, thanks, everybody. See you next thanks, time. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, Thank Andy, you, thanks Andy. for coming. Of course. Yeah.